Hi everyone and a warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, transformational change and of course tech as a force for good. I'm your host Professor Sally Eves and today we're focusing in on building a roadmap to the future, covering areas such as building the autonomous enterprise and how it's affecting the future of tech alongside the latest AI, chat GBT and automation innovations, covering implications from demystification to culture and skills needs. We'll also be taking a look at the Pega World Inspire event starting on June 11th, which for the first time in three years will be live and in person. A brilliant community here across IT pros, devs, C-suite leaders and beyond with over 80 plus sessions dedicated to impact stories. I can't wait. So let's get started now with this preview. And to do so, I'm delighted to be joined by Don Sherman, CTO of Pega Systems. So Don, fantastic to be back talking to you again and obviously meeting in person in a few weeks' time. Warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Fantastic. And likewise, and obviously massive focus here today on what's coming ahead with all things Pega World. Can you share a bit more with the audience about what to expect and obviously the joys of being back in person too? Yeah, I mean, we are, we're first of all excited just to be back at an in-person event, to be able to have people together, no matter how, no matter what you do with a virtual event you can't match the kind of networking and ad hoc communication and just sort of hallway moments that happen when you get a bunch of smart people together in one place. So what we're really looking forward to beyond that is we've been talking a lot and thinking a lot about this idea of the autonomous enterprise. We're all now overwhelmed with news around AI. We're overwhelmed with news around automation. I think organizations have also frankly been overwhelmed with the rate of change of just what's been going on in the world, right? And there's this move that we're seeing inside of organizations to find places where they can introduce autonomy, where they can use AI and automation to introduce the ability to deliver better experiences, to increase efficiency, but most importantly, to like continuously improve, to continuously get better at engaging our customers or continuously get better at Um, managing certain types of processes and workflow so that they're continuously finding more efficiencies and optimizations and better experiences and building that natural sort of response to change mechanism that I think is going to just be really key to surviving in what is going to be, I think, a increasingly pretty rapidly changing world. I couldn't agree more. I think when you just look at the vectors of change happening, whether it's from a technology standpoint or people's evolving expectations and behaviours, let alone like geopolitical, for example, plus things around social impact too. So many different things are kind of converging um, and and in many cases integrating. But in some cases also we see certain challenges, which I think you're addressing head on. So challenges around increased complexity. Um, How do you get better visibility? How do you bring these different data sources together, for example, and get the best of, say, human strengths and technology as well. Again, we've seen issues around burnout, for example, in certain teams. So using automation in the right way, getting that kind of active intelligence and informed decision making in all those different areas, it just has to be the way forward. And I love your focus there. It doesn't have to be kind of an overnight, this building through this incremental innovation is a big, big kind of way forward, especially when we're looking at organisations of all sizes as well, not just enterprise level. Yeah, that's right. And I think the, and I think the, the way we see this happening you know, I think the best metaphor for it is what we've seen in our cars, yes. right? So everybody, everybody likes to talk about autonomous driving and, you know, the future of self-driving cars. I actually think that a fully self-driving car is a decade or more away. 
right? Because one, the technology is hard um, to actually get all the pieces to really work together, but also because of the cultural nature of it. People like to drive. Like, I don't know if everybody wants to give up the ability to drive a car occasionally, right? The regulatory framework, you know, if you look, you look at sort of, you know, both you know, where you are in the UK with, with government there, with what we're going through in the US, like our government can barely right now pay the bills, let alone think about complex new regulatory frameworks to support some of this stuff. So, but what we do see in cars is pockets of autonomy. Right. I have cruise control that I can turn on and now I'll automatically change my speed as the car in front of me changes or as I get stuck in traffic. I can um, I will be warned if I drift out of my lane or I'll be warned if there's a car in my blind spot that I don't see. Right. And that those pockets of autonomy are all focused around still my experience as the driver. But how do you make that experience better? How do you make me safer as a driver? How do you make me more effective? And I think that's the kind of autonomy that we want to wrap around our employees and wrap around our customers to make their experiences better, to ensure that they're operating more efficiently and effectively, to ensure that regulatory rules are being applied correctly. That's that kind of pockets that we're seeing inside of businesses. And I think that also then allows for this continuous iteration and improvement. It's not a switch you flip on and you're done. It's a continuously evolving set of capabilities. I couldn't agree more. And I think it relates to you know other areas that like take zero trust security as one example you know, off the top of my head as well. Again, something sometimes has been a misconception. You know, you can buy it off the shelf and it's once and done and it's all fixed and it's overnight and everything's sorted. And it's not like that at all. It is absolutely that in you know, kind of investment, in incremental improvement and innovation. It has to be the way forward. It is always this mixture. Yes, it's a technology, but it's the cultural aspect. It's the right change management approach to, to support agile innovation too. And obviously the right skills, training and uplift opportunities as well. I mean, what are you seeing um, from, from your staff, but also with obviously all the different customers you're working with and partners as well, in terms of how the different vectors of change we've talked about are affecting them from maybe the skills piece too? Because I love what you were saying about that pockets, pockets of automation. Because again, I also think it helps to secure buy-in. People see that step-by-step development and maybe it takes away a bit of the fear as well, because you're seeing how this introduction of technology is supporting and it's complementary. It's taking away some of the mundane. It's giving you that better experience and efficiency etc and it's supporting you in your role so I think things like that are really important too but I wonder what you're seeing there because again I saw at the event with the agenda a lot of focus on hands-on training for example too which I love to see it's very much the way forward I think well so so I think I think there are a couple of things around um, skills one of the first things is I think we're starting to realize first and foremost that change is a skill in and of itself right and Having both in the culture and in the skill of the employee base, the ability to manage change, and that might be increased fluidity of job role, right? That might be um, building and running and managing change programs. You know, I, you talked about sort of like these things not being one and done. One of the, I think, things that people finally started to clue in on is Digital transformation, remember that was the, that's been the buzzword for a long time, right? It, it's not a project that has a finish line that at the end of which we have like a congratulations, we're digitally transformed. Let's all, you know, raise a toast and get our little plaques and we're done. It's like, no, no, no. Digital transformation is just the act of becoming a constantly changing organization, 
So skill is a change. I think the other thing we're going to start to see, and I think things like generative AI are going to continue to push this, which is the traditional skill boundaries are going to shift, right? Low code was all about citizen development. It was all about, well, maybe not just IT coders can build my apps. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that IT coders are going to go away. It doesn't mean that architects are going to go away. You're not going to run a global organization that has complex data residency requirements and security needs, et cetera, without some pretty smart IT people. But boy, there's an increasing level of the kind of applications that you need that could be built by enabled business experts and business analysts who have experience with low-code tools or are supported by generative AI tools or a combination of both, which is what we're going to be talking about a lot at Pegaworld. And so I think those kinds of cross-functional skilling of, yes, I understand the business, but I bring the low-code development skills so that I can now make a change to it. Or, yes, I'm an IT architect, but I actually understand the application of AI and data science to a technology so I can connect those dots. Um, and then the third thing I think is happening with skills is organizations also need to make some choices on what they want to be good at. Um, you know, in an area where I think this is becoming increasingly interesting is in cloud technology. I, th I think for a number of years, there was sort of almost this viewpoint of, well, we'll run a lot of our stuff on the cloud and we'll get you know cloud services from the Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and we'll, we'll run it. I, I'm talking a lot more to IT leaders who are realizing that, wait a sec, building up the operational know-how inside my organization to run a bunch of Kubernetes containers and Helm charts and control planes is pretty sophisticated. So I need to make a choice. Is that a discipline I want to invest in and own? Or do I increasingly need to actually look to platform as a service, software as a service, as my solution so that I can focus my teams on the stuff that is unique to and specialized to our business? And, and I don't think there's a right answer to that question, but I actually think it's one that you actually have to consciously make as an organization. And I'm seeing more people begin to sort of look through, okay, well, what is our direction really going to be with this stuff? I think that's so true. And again, in, in so many different areas as well, um, also like the use of space in organisations. I think you're absolutely right, whether it's from a tech estate point of view um, and looking at kind of what your return on investment has been and what's gone really well, but also what can we learn better from that and what can we do differently? Um, I think that reflection piece, I'm seeing it so many organisations at the moment and space being a really good example of that as well. You know, are we Do we really need this particular estate in a very expensive part of the heart of the city? Are we using it in the right way? Can we do it for kind of more co-creative team building? So people are really looking at that at every level of the organization from the tech point of view but the culture skills and um, process piece as well i totally understand that and what you said there about the different things coming together at the event and how these are converging i think is such a hot topic and taking away um some of the potential misconceptions around things as well i noticed in, in the description we're talking about demystification and again it's so so powerful it's that tech and knowledge piece coming together and with so much news at the moment particularly around around chat for example um 
I think that's even more important. So people are really thinking through where they're investing and why, because as you rightly said, it's not tech for tech's sake. It has to be mapped to what your primary mission is and really where you want to go. So making those informed choices, I think, is so, so interesting, and particularly with areas where, again, there's so much level of change. So things like ESG, for example, because, again, that's crossing over multiple elements. You have the, have the tech piece there. You have the societal impact, but also you have so much change around governance and compliance that came up earlier as well. So helping to facilitate those journeys, I think, is such an important role to play. I wonder what you're seeing there in terms of what your customers are asking you around support in some of those evolving areas? Because again, I think the measurement piece for ESG is so, so critical and tech can provide that integration and visibility, particularly around kind of those scope one to three measures. Yeah, I think so. So we're, we're seeing it in a couple of different lenses, right? As a software vendor, we're being asked to certify our own, right? So we were recently published or about to publish our, our impact report, you know, and I think that's now becoming a regular rhythm of business now, right? Like that just becomes something that you need to consider. You know, we're continuously, for example, looking at at cloud utilization and cloud usage and what are the techniques that we can use to minimize the carbon footprint of that utilization, right? Which, by the way, is not only the right thing to do from a societal perspective, it's frankly good for our business because it means that we're running our cloud at better margins anyway, right? You know, so I think some of these things and especially as we enter into, or I think we're in into a period of, if not cost tightening, at least very, very much sort of cost awareness. Organizations, everyone I'm talking to is very, very protective of their costs, whether it's travel costs, whether it's, you know, as you said, space investment, software costs, cloud operational costs, et cetera. And I think that's also helping to feed some of the considerations then around ESG. Like, are we spending that money in effective ways, ethical ways, ways that drive us towards higher degrees of carbon neutrality. I also think that AI is pushing that to the forefront, right? You know, the the whole explosion of the buzz around chat GPT has really, I think, triggered one, a lot of discussion. I think it also has triggered a lot of executives sending their teams out to go figure out what this stuff is. One of the things that I think is really important with AI is that we take the time to bring at least a modicum of understanding to what it is and how it works. And one of the first, I think, you know, base understandings of AI is AI makes decisions based on data. Now that data can come from a lot of places. You can have AI that runs on massive public data sets like ChatGPT. You can also have AI that run on smaller data sets that are entirely private and proprietary to your business. And by the way, there are use cases for both. So you know, we should be aware of those and understand those. But data is just a product of our society. And unfortunately, you know, I think many of us believe that our society has implicit biases. And so those implicit biases make their way into our data, which means they will make their way into our AI unless we proactively push back against them through bias testing, through transparency and explainability where appropriate in the AI, et cetera. So I think you've got to find that intersection between a lot of these ESG concerns and then also these new sets of technology that you're applying because they're raising interesting and really important questions for us. 
I totally agree. I think there's some very interesting associations and convergence right across areas like sustainability, security and inclusion. When you drill into the data around that, you know, populations that are most impacted by, say, cyber attacks tend to be least included and have more issues around certain aspects of ESG um, kind of negation as well, kind of being really down on the list in terms of bad effects and how they're being negated. So there's lots of synergies anyway across these areas, which I think is really interesting to kind of bring together. The awareness piece, I think, is huge and I love what you were saying there about the issues of baked in bias and how that feeds through into into AI model development you're absolutely right and I think there's something like 180 human biases that we have and counting um, according to some of the latest research and sometimes we're using data sets that go back quite a long period of time so not only have expectations and behaviours changed but potentially you're using this historic data with all the different biases that can bring so absolutely like addressing our team development making sure we've got that diversity of perspectives and I do a lot of work around neurodiversity and again I always put a shout out for that because there's so many different elements to this and maybe some areas get a little bit more focus than others and when we're looking for potential issues like implicit bias that diversity can be so so powerful to potentially see something that nobody would even realize necessarily unless you'd had a certain backdrop or experience or different personality traits etc you wouldn't have even necessarily identified it was even there so it brings so many benefits so I love the fact you kind of mentioned it and went down to that level because I think it's absolutely critical particularly with that rate of change we're seeing Uh, And that point of reflection alongside development, I mean, it's absolutely key, isn't it? It's great to go further and faster together, but we really do need to all come together and kind of take stock as we go, just in case of, you know, unintended consequences, should we say, along the way. Yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, a couple couple comments there. We we just, I just saw some preliminary results. We did a big survey, um, and it's actually a repeat of a survey we did a couple years ago, getting, trying to gauge consumer feelings and sentiment around AI. And some really interesting stuff came out of that about where the sort of boundaries of trust are and where, you know, and and one of the big themes is people still want humans in the loop for a lot of the important decisions. And so one of the big, you know, one of our keynotes at Pegaworld, our head of decisioning and data scientist, Rob Walker, is giving, he gives an AI keynote usually at Pegaworld. And he's going to talk through a lot of the data from that survey, but also about very specific things that organizations need to be doing and thinking about through the application of this AI technology. You also mentioned kind of, you know, being aware of diversity of needs. You know, one of the other things that we're we're talking about and we're going to announce as part of um, an upcoming software release is the intersection of low-code development and accessibility, right? Because accessibility of software is something that's really important uh, inside of a lot of enterprises. And it's one thing to build accessible apps when you have a lot of very specialized skilled designers working on them. But if you're going to hand things over to low-code developers to build apps, you've got to actually make sure the underlying platforms can generate the accessibility features into the app on their behalf. So we've introduced a lot of capabilities to ensure that, look, even if I've got low-code developers building this app, the end result is still going to meet the accessibility needs of the full set of my population, right? So those those kinds of considerations, I think, become really important. 
Absolutely. I love the fact you're talking about that. I have an expression kind of like embedded by design, but it is so, so key because I think sometimes we talk about some of these challenges, which in many cases are also opportunities. It can be sometimes later on down in the in the process, but the fact that it is baked in from that level of design up, so to speak, I think is absolutely key. And again, it just brings to the fore this skills piece alongside technology change. And again, kind of wrapping a few of those thoughts together. Another thing that's kind of ringing to me at the moment as, as we're speaking here is that when we talk about things like skills uplift, um, maybe we should be positioning it's a bit like the rise of the generalist. So having a particular specialism in a certain area, but having this kind of, say, tool skill box or this kind of canvas with lots of different skills that you can dip into. So as we have kind of agile enterprise change, we're taking it down to like agile teams, agile individuals and helping people to, to be more comfortable with kind of constant ambiguity and change. So I think that piece is really important, particularly when we look at those roles changing and who might be doing this project in the future. I think you're absolutely right. So, you know, I do some work around things like metacognition and uh, it's kind of like smart thinking processes alongside smart technology. Um, and it just helps you to be more aware about how you learn best. And so, again, we're supporting people with all this change and evolving roles in so many different levels of organisation life at the moment. I think that's really powerful, too, because it just gives you that empowerment to, to feel, you know what? OK, this is changing a lot, but I can dip in here and I can dip in here. And I've got that kind of facilitation, self-belief, but also support from the organisation, too. So I think really this kind of age of convergence that we're in. Um, really comes to the fore in so much we're saying today. It really is quite a quite a special moment, I think, to A, reflect on some of this change and how we can make and optimise the very best of it, but also how we can kind of bring together some of these challenges and, and work together kind of more from an ecosystem approach too. I wonder what you've seen there, because certainly for me over the last six months in particular, I have never seen such kind of will to, to co-create, you know, and not just around social impact challenges, but also some of the other kind of messy, complicated challenges of, of, of organisational life with some of the pressures we've talked about today and kind of doing more with less and that type of ethos too. What have you seen there from, from your partners and your, and your customers and your wider community about kind of coming together for, for change? Yeah, I think so. So, so there's been, we've seen a couple of interesting things. One is I've, we're seeing more and more of, I think sort of this hackathon spirit embed its way into organizations. Right. And so over the, just even the last year, we've seen more and more of our clients starting to run their own internal hackathons as ways of one, just kind of spurning innovation, but also, as you say, cross-functional collaboration, right? Because I think, I think a lot of the huge opportunity here is knocking down the traditional silos that are in a business. I was talking to, a, you know, at a, at a large bank last week and you know there's still a lot of these traditional you know we have a team that runs our digital front end and we have a team that runs our customer service centers and they don't talk to each other and it's like well how do we change that how do we create a customer experience hackathon that gets the digital team and the you know contact center team working together because from the customer's perspective those are artificial breaks right those are that's 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 an imposing of your own organizational silos on the customer that nobody wants to have. So I think that kind of cross-functional collaboration is really important. I, I also think that these new technologies, like, for example, AI, are going to in, in require organizations to continue to build out multi-part or sort of hybrid solutions, right? So frankly, for a lot of these large language models, there are only going to be a couple of organizations that can really run massive 
you know, 10 billion, 20 billion train set models. So for some things, you're going to need to integrate with a Microsoft or a Google or an AWS in order to get the model that you want. So how do you have that as a component in your architecture, but understand that how to plug the other pieces in? And I think, frankly, in my conversations with folks like Google and AWS and Microsoft, they're looking for partners to help them understand what are the right use cases for this stuff at the enterprise and how do we implement those use cases responsibly, but also effectively and to deliver value. And I think those that kind of partnership and collaboration around matching the technology up to value, but also value that happens in a responsible way, I think is going to also be really important if we're going to make this make this all truly successful for everyone. I couldn't agree more. And I know we've, we've got to keep it fairly short today, but I wondered if that's perhaps a way to end this today in terms of these themes that are coming together. Hey, I'd love to give a shout out for your keynote too, just kind of share a little bit more about what to expect there. But for people watching and listening today, kind of what would be your kind of top wise, maybe your gold, silver and bronze about why to be involved in this event? Obviously, we're going to be on the ground, but also sharing a lot virtually, et cetera, as well. Um, I'm super excited about this, particularly because of the convergence piece. I think it's so, so powerful. Um, but what would you say for people listening in on this? Yeah, so so I think maybe maybe three big things to come take away, you know, for Pega World. Um, to, so please join us June 11th through 13th in Las Vegas. First, first thing is, I do think there's still a lot of mystification and confusion around what's going on in technology, especially around AI. And we're going to make a big effort to kind of peel some of that away and help organizations understand what's really going on so that then you can make the right choices about what AI technology you apply where and how to think about it so that you're not only getting value from it, but you're doing it in ways that are transparent, ethical, responsible, et cetera. Um, so I think that's a big topic and I think that's a big, big consideration. I think the second thing is we have, are lucky to have amazing customers and partners. You know, we work with some of the, 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 the largest, greatest organizations, you know, across the world. We're going to have Citibank as a keynote. We're going to have Aflac, the American insurer, as a keynote. We're going to have Rabobank, which I just think is this incredible organization in the Netherlands. We're going to have Virgin Media, all keynoting. And the keynotes are great. But what's actually, to me, the most important thing is the conversations that happen afterward. When people sit down, whether it's over a cocktail or at a table at lunch or two people watching a demo together in our innovation hub, then having a conversation about what does that inspire? How might you use this? What have been your challenges? What have been the obstacles that you've faced in the organization and how have you overcome them? I think that networking and conversation that happens on the ground is hugely, hugely valuable. And then the third thing is, I, I think it's important. I think it's really important for all of us to understand technology below the surface level. You, know, I, you talk about being generalists. I think we all in business need to be some degree of technologists yes. because it's what runs our business, right? It, and it with, with generative AI, even more so. And so that opportunity to go and walk and sit down with some of our product leaders and engineers who think about this stuff day in and day out and see a demo, but then poke at it. Be like, well, how would it handle this? And well, does it connect to that? And well, I've also got one of these and does it work? Like 
And that ability to sort of peel back the covers or go under the hood and see how the tech is really working, I think it's, it's hugely, hugely valuable. And I think it's the kind of understanding that I want all of our leaders to have so that when they go back to their businesses and thinking about how they're applying it, it's not just from the perspective of, oh, I played with ChatGPT and it wrote me a poem in the style of William Shakespeare, but I understand what it's doing so that I can then think about what the ramifications and impact for my business, for my customers, for my employees are. So I think those are the three big things that, that I hope people really get out of Petalo. I love that. Honestly, you sum, sum that up so well. And you, you brought back a very happy memory as well, because I, I love understanding how things work. And like, like with, my, with my dad and things who I lost when I was quite young, but he used to take things apart and put them together in, in creative ways. And, and the, what you find out about how things work and why and how you can to be co-creative and use something in a different way and understand like, literally to the part level of things. It's so fantastic. You can't beat that experiential hands-on training, the ability to ask questions on the fly and kind of bounce off each other and come at it from different angles. I couldn't agree more strongly. I know you've got some great certification opportunities live um, throughout the event too, which is fantastic, but I, I totally agree. It's those conversations with meaning. You're sharing something, you're reacting, and you've got the space to be able to carry that through. I couldn't agree more. And kind of when I was talking about Rise of the Generalist, that's where I see that you know you have a particular specialism in your yeah. role but every role is a data tech facing role so you need to have that foundation of, of, of tech understanding alongside all those other elements as well like the culture and yeah. change management etc that's the way you get more holistic and more agile to change personally but obviously through all rafts of the organization as well so while there's a lot to look forward to and i can't wait for the innovation hub by the way as well i, I get very hands-on with things like that and, and hackathons too so i can't wait on honestly it'd be a pleasure to see you and thank you for taking the time in advance as well to give everyone a bit of a sneak peek of what's in store and why and how to get involved. It'd be a pleasure to join you. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you in person in just a couple of weeks. Fantastic, Don. Thank you so much. And thank you all as well for watching and listening too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.